Welcome to the Intelligent Investing Podcast, where modern portfolio theory can suck it. A student of the school of Graham and Doddsville and a clergy member of the Church of Warren Buffett, here's your host, Eric Schlein. Hi, it's Eric Schlein. You're listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast. And today we have back on Brian Dress, who is an investment analyst at Left Brain Capital. Uh, Brian, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Eric. It's great to be with you again. I would ask you what's new, but that seems to be a loaded question these days. <laughs> um, you, you know, we're over here just, uh, well, everybody's sheltering in a place, of course. We're doing a lot of Zoom calls and um, pretty much rethinking every uh, position we have in, in all our, our accounts and uh, going from there. But we see a lot of opportunities out there today. So um, some good and some bad. Yeah, well, I wanted to bring you back on. I know you uh, you have a knack, especially for looking um, at undervalued uh, cheap stocks and also uh, bonds as well. You you look throughout the capital structure. So, you know, we've been doing this uh, coronavirus investment series, which has been the most popular thing in the history of this podcast. That people clearly have an interest in this. Um, so, I wanted to on that theme with. Uh, coronavirus going on, um, you know what are what what have you uh, been looking at? Can you give us just like a general uh, overview, and then we can you know get more into the weeds on kind of what you're what you're seeing? Yeah, sure. And, yeah. Um, so when I was on your show last time, um, we talked about bonds and stocks, and it was a little bit of a struggle for us to come up with bonds to talk about because um, the, the spreads had gotten so tight. Um, even when you look down into the the high yield and the and the B and the triple C tranches where the high you know it's very low quality debt, um, so we were digging deep to find opportunities to talk to you, especially when we're looking at it through a value lens, um, and we're always looking for income opportunities for clients. Um, so we were really digging deep to find anything where we could make five six percent returns for our clients in the fixed income side. Uh, which is important for you know older investors and and people in the retirement uh, bracket. Um, so you know, like I said, high income securities back in those days um, were high were concentrated in a low credit rating basket in that triple C and some limited B opportunities. Um, and and the high coupon bonds that we're always looking for for our clients were trading um, well above par. So that was the backdrop back then. Um, and kind of what we're seeing now is a lot of the a lot of the bonds that we followed or did work on, uh, where we thought the prices were just too high back then, um, are starting to come into uh, pricing situations where we think it's a little bit more uh, favorable risk reward for our clients. And so um, that's where we are now. Uh, a lot of opportunities that we weren't seeing for maybe the last three or four years. Right now, I mean, the, these tend to go in cycles, right? I mean, can you can you give us some of your over, you know, just an understanding of how credit cycles have worked historically? Yeah, sure. So, you know, everybody's familiar with kind of the the stock market cycle and and recessions and and how that all works. And you know, we see that sort of same thing in the corporate bond market too. But you know, we see a lot more boom and bust cycles in corporate bonds than we do stocks, and that's because um, you know, bust. You know, it happens in the recessions. You know, when when stocks have problems, bonds do too. Um, but there's also times in between when you know we don't have recessions, when we might might be you know more near to a recession or 
you know, just the bond market has a secular problem on its own, you know, like 1991 to 3, 2011 to 12, and 2016, um, where stocks didn't quite get into bear territory. Um, so these credit cycles tend to be a lot shorter than what you see in the stock market. So every three to five years, you sort of see these flushes, um, kind of like what you saw this year. Um, it's really important to have a contrarian approach when you're looking at high-yield bonds in a portfolio context. Um, when times are tough and it seems really hard to hit the buy button, that's when you got to do it. Um, this is the time right now to load up on high-yield bond issues um, and other corporates that are kind of in the, the lower investment grade area. Um, you you want to load, load up on those now, and then when spreads narrow, you want to lighten up the portfolio slowly and raise cash to take advantage of the next opportunity. So, you know, within the next three to five years, we're going to see another one of these. You don't know why or, or how, but just expect that to happen. Um, in our research, in the general, you know, high yield space, we've noticed that high yield outperformed stocks in recovery years. So, you know, looking at 1982, 91, 02, 2008, and 2016, um, you know, stocks did well in those years in general, but high yield tend to do, tended to do better um, by 10 or 15 percent in each one of those years. So it's important to understand that, you know, when you have big market routes, going into the high yield space is going to turbocharge returns. Why, why, do you uh, think, why do you think that is? You know, it's hard to say, but what we really think is um, liquidity is limited in, in high yield bonds. So when people are um, looking for anything to sell, uh, the bids just disappear in this market. So a lot of times, uh, a high yield bond that's probably worth seventy or eighty might trade fifty or sixty in a situation like this. Um, there's definitely a chase for yield that drives people down into lower quality credit, um, and oftentimes those people aren't really meant to be uh, dealing in this market. And so when trouble comes. They just hit. They just hit sell and ask questions later. Right. Um, and also, there are a lot of novel strategies that you see that develop in sort of low interest rate environments, and they use leverage and credit. And what we see kind of in the last six weeks or so is these leverage players in the in the risk parity game um, had to sell even stuff that was in the double A and A uh, rated area uh, just because they were so leveraged that. You know, five or ten points down, even in you know double A or A bonds, they were forced to just sell, and so a lot of high quality credit um, sold off much much more than you would ever expect. Now, are the margin requirements uh, different in bond portfolios than they are for stocks, or is it the same? Um, it's hard for me to say. You know how some of these hedge funds operate. Um, but I think it's I think you can take a lot more leverage in, in bonds than you can in stocks. Interesting. Especially so, when the you know, when the credit quality is a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. Um, I think banks are a little bit more willing to allow you to take leverage and, and, and load up on those type of, you know, double A credits. What what what's some of the highest leverage ratios you've seen in uh, bond funds who are who are earning more uh owning more high quality? I don't have great visibility into that, but mm-hmm. you know, I was hearing, you know, sort of rumors of some of these guys are leveraged five five x or more. That's that's insane. I mean, um, I guess it works in good times, right? 
Yeah, most of the time you think, wow, this is a, a double-A bond. What could ever go no wrong? No brainer, right? Um, and it's true. They probably The company will never default. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean you ha- don't have to sell it. You know, if it goes down 5, 10 points, that means you're down 50 points. Right, yeah. It's interesting. So what, what's your overall general game plan in this environment? Um, the first thing you got to remember is Right or wrong, interest rates are going to be um, near zero for a long time going forward. Um, and and you seem very back, you seem very confident about that. And I I always get hesitant for anyone who's going to tell me where interest rates are going to be in a year or two from now. So what has you have that be such a high conviction uh, view? I, I guess I should say that you know the federal funds rate will probably be um, really low for a long time. I can't okay, tell you what's it. going to happen in the long the long end of the curve, but. Um, I just kind of look back to the last cycle and, you know, 20, 2008 was the last time they cut down to zero. Um, and it took seven years before they did a hike after that. So we're going to operate as if that's the, what, that's what we expect for the next at least 24 months. Okay. Um, so, so in that situation, you know, like what we were talking about with income investments, it's going to be really hard to find those, um, so right now is the time to take advantage of how the market is playing out because you're not going to be able to buy 8% coupon bonds um, at a discount for very long because market participants are going to realize just what we're talking about. You know, you're going to have to grab yield vaults here. Um, so what we're doing is we're looking for high coupon bonds associated with stable companies. And some of those are even trading at a discount still. So, um, like I said before, we've been starved for opportunities like this to, you know, match up, uh, you know, high coupon income opportunities with future cash flows um, for wealth clients. And we still see plenty of mispriced, underpriced securities out there. Um, but it has to be said that a lot of the easy money's already been made. Some of these higher quality names in the AA and triple B space. Um, have already narrowed quite a bit. Uh, their spreads have already nar- narrowed quite a bit. But we still see opportunities out here. Um, but like I said, we got a chance to lock in some great coupons that align with future cash flows for clients. Um, there's some high coupon bonds out there that have maturities of 20, 30 or later. So you can lock in some high coupon rates for a long time so, here. So, Brian, I just, just want to stop you. Let's just dive into it. So can you just discuss a few thing, a uh, few names and uh, that you're seeing in, in uh, the debt markets? Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of what we were talking about with 2030 or later, um, I'm looking at a bond from a company called Q-Rate. Um, the symbol's Q-R-T-E-A. Um, it's an eight and a quarter coupon bond uh, for 2030. Um, this is a double B rated company. And um, Q-Rate, you'd probably know it better by uh, some of its brand names, QVC, HSN, and they have a few other online shopping uh, type of businesses. Um, this bond is trading around 80, so that implies a yield of about 12% annually going forward. Um, but it was trading at 106 at the end of February. Um, as we talked about, the start, you know, everybody's star for yield. So a, a bond that's, tr- you know, yielding 8% coupon uh, for more than 10 years is going to trade at a premium. Um, so we think there's a really solid opportunity for a capital gain in Q rate, uh, eight and a quarters. Um, and not only that, you're able to lock in, you know, a very nice rate of return on the income side for about 10 years here. 
Um, now, are these the- are these all businesses? Just sorry, but are are these all businesses where you know you've looked at the balance sheets, you've looked at the common, and you say, okay, the the risk of um, not being able to pay on these bonds is pretty slim to none. Would you go that far? Yeah, because um, right, I mean, if, if if they can't pay, then then all this doesn't really matter. Hundred percent true. Um, so just to kind of back up and and look at how we're looking at things from yeah. more of a thirty thousand foot view is perfect. Um, right now, Fortress balance sheet is an imperative. Um, you're gonna have to have a strong balance sheet to get through this, probably. Um, in a lot of these, in a lot of bonds that we look at. We're just going to go ahead and assume zero revenue for 2020. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the case or not, but we're going to take that as an assumption and then stress test the companies against that scenario and see can they survive this next you know 12 months? Because we think you know at some point things are going to go back to some sort of normal, um, but can you get through this short term uh, pain here? So, you know, on shorter term maturities, especially, we're looking for companies that have cash to cover the maturities. So they don't have to go out and find some sort of refinancing transaction to pay off existing bonds. Um, So a lot of these bonds that we're looking at or putting in um, have that situation where it's like, you know what, they have enough cash or sort of credit, revolving credit capacity to to cover um, whatever maturity we're talking about. Um. On Q-rate, you know, the business case, uh, all their fulfillment centers are still operational as of the end of March. Um, like I said, there's no maturities due until July 22 uh, for $500 million. So, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll be back um, to some sort of normal before then. Uh, they have more than $3 billion in liquidity, so they can cover um, those maturities uh, in 2022 and 2024. Um they're a company that's generated a billion of free cash flow uh, for 10 years running. And there's pretty minimal cap, CapEx needs for this business. Um, and then the final thing that we like is the CEO purchased 550,000 shares in early March uh, with cash from his pocket. So there's a lot of good things going for Q-Rate um, in addition to sort of the, uh, the income opportunity. Interesting. And uh, what else? What else? Can you give us a few more names? Yeah, I got a couple more. Um, this next one's a pretty contrarian play, I would say. Okay. Um, it's Illinois uh, 5.1% general obligation bonds that mature in 2033. Um, I think it's been pretty well noted in the financial media that Illinois has a pretty um, questionable fiscal situation. Yeah, they just have a few problems, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and most of it is uh, unfunded pension liabilities and Uh, And that sort of thing. Um, We're actually based in Illinois, so this is interesting to us uh, on that level. But um, we kind of looked under the hood of Illinois. And first of all, I would say, I want to tell you, uh, these bonds are trading around 96. They were trading 118 before all this happened, so a month ago uh, or a month and a half ago. Um, At the current level of yield, these are tax-exempt bonds. Um, this this bond's going to yield you more than nine percent at the current levels, but we looked under the hood of of Illinois' finances, and we were actually uh, a little bit more heartened than we expected to be. First thing is, there's a lot more capacity to raise revenues here. Um, the current state income tax rate is four point nine five percent, 
um, which might be high to you know people that live in in low tax states, but it's much lower than the income taxes that you see in California, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and other states like that that are high tax. Um, so we think there's more capacity to raise taxes here and raise revenue. Um, there's a ballot referendum coming in November that would amend the state constitution to allow progressive income taxation. Um, at current at the current uh, situation, there's the only opportunity is a flat tax. So um, if this if this passes, this would raise an estimated 3.6 billion in additional annual revenue. Um, the state has a state has to balance its budget every year, but it has a, an accounting trick that's called a bill backlog. Uh, it's sort of an accumulated debt account. Three years ago, it was 16.6 billion dollars. Uh, today, it's at 7.6 billion dollars. So the new uh, the state comptroller uh, Susana Mendoza has really done a good job of of bringing that under control. Um, so from that point of view, we think situation's not terrible in terms of the financials. Um, and then also, the Fed announced it would buy municipal bonds. So that's a backstop to any investors in this bond. Um, and also, S&P and Moody's uh, put out a report recently saying it doesn't expect any uh, municipal defaults um, as a result of what's going on now. And no states have defaulted since World War II. So... I think we got uh, history on our side here too, um, but I would say I wouldn't rush to get in a full position uh, right away. Uh, we wouldn't be shocked if this bond traded down five or ten points from where it is now at 96. Um, if broader markets sell off at any point in the next few weeks, so you know it might be worth thinking about doing a starter position here and then uh, retaining some bullets um, in case it does trade down a little bit in the next few weeks. Interesting. And then what else do you got for us? Okay, this is another contrarian area, um, travel and leisure. Um, you know, if you just think about it on the common sense level, it seems terrible. Like, there's no way these travel companies are going to be able to survive the next few uh, few quarters of of you know really almost zero revenue. Well, some of them and, may some of them may actually not survive. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, so it's it's different in every case. So the airlines, we feel really good about their survival, at least in the near term. Um, it seems like the government is very committed to maintaining the, you know, the airline infrastructure um, in the country and considers it an essential business. So we're looking sure. at... So, well, let me just ask you, Brian. I think that that's probably not a contrarian view, but how do you ensure that, say, like the equity doesn't get wiped out or there isn't you know, some weird thing that, you know, that happens if the government, you know, takes a stake or takes it over that you guys don't get screwed in some way. Yeah. Well, we wouldn't be playing in the equity. On okay. At all. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, it seems like whatever came out a couple of days ago, um, I think there's going to be some warrants where the government can buy in at certain levels, but it doesn't appear that they want it. You know, I think if they were going to do that, they would have done it already. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the bond side, uh, we're looking at Delta, um, they have so a to be foreign- clear, you you don't see any government intervention having an impact on on the on the bond side. No, I, we really don't. Okay. Um, I think it's just a it actually bolsters the position of, of bondholders. Um, so we're looking at that four and three eighths bond. That's a twenty twenty eight for Delta. Okay. Um, and like I, I would say on these travel and leisure, they have narrowed quite a bit. So this is more of a kind of watch list item. Um, you know, if these things trade off. 
might be a really good opportunity. I wouldn't say go go steaming in right now, but um, that Delta 28 yields around 6.6 at current levels. Like I said, we like the risk reward a little bit lower. It's trading 86 right now, so if it gets down in the high 70s, low 80s, might be worth uh, jumping in right there. Where was the trading before all this, you know, COVID-19 stuff started happening? I believe it was above par. Was it okay? Yeah. Um, so this is what I was talking to you about, where we're talking about what is the liquidity situation, hmm. you know, assuming zero revenue. Um, we've done that analysis on Delta. Right now, they have $6.2 billion of liquidity um, before government intervention. So that's $3.1 billion in cash, $3.1 billion of credit capacity. Um, they just announced yesterday that federal, federal relief package is going to be for $5.4 billion. So that gives a total, a total liquidity uh, of about $12 billion. Um, the, next, the next maturity is $600 million in April 21. And their pensions are fully funded until 24. So that's a positive in, in their case. Um, and so we've done a worst-case scenario analysis on Delta um, pre, pre-federal intervention. And at their current rate of cash burn, uh, we'd be talking about a negative $400 million of liquidity at the end of 2020. Um, so when you factor in that $5.4 billion, you know, we feel very confident they're going to make it through 2020. And, you know, 2021, hard to say what it's going to be like for the airline industry. Um, but the reality is we think there'll be another aid package if, if things are, um, you know, still like, like they are now. Hmm. Um, so we feel pretty solid with those. And then there's one other. Um, this this is really contrarian, I believe. Um, Carnival Cruise. Cruise Liner? Okay, yep. Yeah, Carnival Cruise. Um there's a 2020 I hear it bond. in your voice. This is really yeah, contrarian. It's a little, you know, this is another one like the Illinois bonds where we, you know, when we first looked at it, I was like, there's no way we'll ever get involved with this. But there's a 2020 bond for Carnival that is uh, maturity in October. Um, it's currently trading uh, just a few points below par. Um, but the annual, so that gives an annualized yield of around 8% on the 2020s. Um, okay. We wouldn't buy it right here. But if you... Uh, look at if it prices down in the low 90s, you're talking about an annualized re- yield of more like 25%. So that's a completely different uh, kettle of fish. Right. Um, what really, what really piqued our interest in Carnival was this: the the fact that they were able to raise six billion dollars. Like I thought there was no way they would be able to go into the capital markets and do anything. Um, so that just totally changed our viewpoint. Um, we did that scenario analysis on these guys. They're about a billion dollars of cash burn per month. So um, consider that their liquidity is about $12 billion after they did this $6 billion cash raise. That's more than enough to get them to this October maturity. So we feel really strongly about that one. Um, but as, as again, um, at 8% yield, it's not really worth doing. But you know, if it comes down to where it's yielding more like 25%, definitely worth considering. Um, and then there's one other bond in their stack. It's not available to retail investors. So if you have any institutional investors listening here, um, this might be of their interest to them. Is that 2023 secured that they just uh, issued Mm. that is an 11.5% coupon? Um, These these bonds are secured by the ships that they own. So we did the the analysis, and if these guys go bankrupt and have to sell their – sell their ships on 40 for at 40 cents on the dollar 
it would be a full recovery for secured bondholders. Interesting. And, and where do those trade right now, the 2023s? They're actually trading slightly above par. Okay. So um, when they when they did the issuance, it was about $4 billion of issuance. They had uh, over $17 billion of bids for these bonds. Wow. That's, that's a little so, surprising. But I guess yeah, cause maybe because they're secured, people were, you know, you have a combination of uh, something secured by actual ships plus a 0% interest rate environment. Yeah, an eleven point five percent coupon. That's is yeah, exactly. Really are... hard to <laughs> turn away from. So, right. um, yeah. So that you know, again, I would never tell anyone to buy the equity in these travel companies, but definitely some interesting opportunities in the bond side. Really interesting. Well, I think we should end it on that note. But I know you. Um, before we we finish it up, um, you're debuting a new service, right, at uh, your company. Yeah, so um, can I ask you about that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. Just tell. I would. I would love to hear what you what you guys are are doing. Yeah, so at Left Brain, we have um, you know we have our wealth management business, we have our hedge fund, but we also have an investment research service. Uh, it's called Left Brain Investment Research. Okay. Um, we got a couple of good things going on right now. Uh, a couple of shelter in place specials. Um, the first is we have our full research product. And we're willing to offer that to, to all your listeners um, with the promo code Eric for $99 a month. All right. Um, and uh, our research product. Uh, I want to also just make a full disclosure. I had no idea about this promo code until just the second, and I don't get any reimbursement for this. So this is this is completely Brian just telling me this for the first time right now. So just full disclosure. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. Yeah. Um, so uh, you can find us on www.leftbrainir.com. Um, our research product features long-form reports on stocks and bonds. Um, we have these reports that we call Quick Looks, which is um, just quick and dirty looks at companies that we uh, that we write up when we have to make quick decisions on companies. You know, and opportunities just um, come across our desk, and we got to do this quickly. And then we also have earnings updates that come out each quarter um, for quite a number of companies. So that's our research product. And then we're doing a, a brand new service, um, which is some pay-per-view seminars. And we're, we're debuting on April 23rd and April 30th. Um, we're going to do hour-long Zoom discussions about uh, our best bond and stock idea um, on the 23rd and the 30th and all the, all the research that goes into that. Um, we're going to include input from our entire investment team, including our CIO, Nolan Langford, um, along with opportunities for uh, for listeners to do Q&A on those seminars. So um, I think it'll be really interesting. I've never seen anything like this out in the market. Um, we'll have to see how it goes. But um, you can find information for those seminars uh, on the front page of our website, again, at www.leftbrainir.com. And we'll put all that in the show notes as well. All right, great. Well, Brian, is there anything else before we uh, before we finish up? No, just uh, hopefully everybody's doing well out there, staying safe and healthy, and uh, we'll get through this soon enough. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Brian, I you know really appreciate you coming back and, and sharing your uh, thoughts and ideas and, and being so generous with that too. So, you know, stay safe and uh, hopefully next time we have you on, you'll we'll all be out of quarantine. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Eric. All right. Sounds good. Have a good one. 
Thank you for listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast with Eric Schlein. If you'd like to connect with Eric for questions, comments, feedback, ideas, or to inquire about being on the show, please contact Eric at intelligentinvesting at gmail.com. So, in the words of Charlie Munger, I have nothing to add.